Good morning. Great to see you all this morning. Man, here and in person, this is my first time uh, speaking with a live stream audience. So great to see you all on our live stream. Even though I'm a little worried, I hear that the camera adds 10 pounds. But everybody in the tech booth, I heard they can put a filter on to fix that. Uh, make me look a little bit slimmer. But uh, great to see you all this morning. And uh, here in person and on our live stream, we're just really happy that you've made WFA part of your weekend this weekend. And so um, welcome. Happy to have you join us. So um, have we all been enjoying the cool weather? Um, I never thought in my life I would live in a place where mid-80s to me was cool weather. Um, it has been uh, hot, but Taryn and I are getting used to it. We're acclimating already. It's been, it's been great, and we love the community here. We love all the outdoor recreation that we can do, and um, even though it's a little hot sometimes, that's all right. It'll be, I told uh, Taryn um, it'll be cold before she knows it, and uh, it'll be cold again with snow on the ground. And I remember when I first met Pastor Jerry and we were discussing about me possibly joining the team here in Wenatchee, uh, he asked me um, if I had any questions. And one of my first questions was, I said, I've driven through Wenatchee, but I've never stopped there. I don't know what it's like. What, uh, what, is, what is something about Wenatchee that I should know? And he said, well, we have four seasons. I said, okay, so you have a winter with snow on the ground. He said, yeah, we, we have snow you know, every year. And I said, well, that's cool because being from the Puget Sound, you, you don't get a guaranteed snowfall every year. So I thought, well, that'll be really cool to, to see snow every year. And so what are the summers like? He says, well, the summers are, um, they're long. They're longer than you're used to, um, and, and they're going to be great. And so I said, oh, man. And I went to Taryn, and I said, you know, they say that summers are really long. And in my mind, summer was 80 degrees max and sunny. And I thought, so it's just going to be 80 degrees for like half the year. It's going to be wonderful. But we saw uh, triple digits, and so we had to kind of get used to that. Um, but it's been great. We've really enjoyed it. So today, um, we're going to continue our family series talking about singleness today. And uh, specifically, I wanted to title this message, The Gift of Singleness. I think singleness is something um, that is difficult. It's, it's not easy. And if you're single in this room, you know that it's not easy. If uh, you're in this room and you're not single, uh, you have been single before. And no matter how long ago it was, you can probably remember that um, singleness isn't the easiest thing. Sometimes you can feel lonely. Um, sometimes you feel a need for companionship, and when you don't have that uh, spouse with you, um, a lot of things can seem lost. Um, but I, I, I think it's really important for all of us, and if you're not single in this room, I don't want you to just think, oh, we're going to talk about singleness, I don't really have to listen, why did I come today? Um, the idea of singleness is very important. Single people are absolutely cru crucial to the kingdom of God. Um, they're absolutely essential. There are people in this world uh, that will remain single their whole life. There are people in this world that are only single for a certain amount of time. But God uh, gives singleness as a gift. And something, uh, if you are married in this room, kind of a grim fact, but half of married people will be single at some point again. And so I hope today, even if you're not single, you can recognize the importance of understanding what it's like to be uh, single and have a good relationship with the Lord. So, singleness is something that's interesting for me because uh, I have recently changed my marital status. Um, I am currently married now, and so I've switched teams. So I can effectively say, if you're single in this room, stay single. <laughs> no, marriage has been great. I can't, I can't knock marriage. It's been wonderful. It's, it's been a, an amazing experience. Um, but I... I, I 
I want us today to think of singleness as a gift. Singleness, I think a lot of times, and especially in the church, it can be very difficult. I remember when I was in college and I was single, and uh, churches a lot of the time would have great events for families, they'd have great events for kids, for married couples, um, but a lot of the times churches will lack on things that singles uh, can engage with. And I remember I was going to a church in college one time, and there was a singles ministry there, and um, I decided to go and check out this singles ministry, this young adult singles uh, ministry. And so I showed up, and like the entire evening, the whole message was just about purity. And, I, and purity is important, but it was like the whole thing that the church viewed as single people was just people that were just trying to tolerate life as a single person, trying to stay pure and just not screw up. And I just kind of felt like I think there's more to singleness than just trying to, to, to live through it, to, to grind through it. Singleness can really be seen as a gift, and it is something that is essential to the kingdom of God. So singleness affects all of us. Today I want us to uh, look at Scripture. We're going to be reading about uh, what the Apostle Paul says about singleness. Um, if you're here and you are single uh, this morning, I want to give you a resource. Uh, Seven Myths About Singleness by Sam Alberry. Um, and this is a great book. If you're single yourself or you uh, know someone who is single, make a great gift. It's a really short read. It's easy. Um, but again, uh, Sam Alberry really decides to unpack singleness um, and, and unpack singleness in a way that it's more than just purity, but other things about singleness um, as well as purity that singles should read about and focus on. So seven myths about singleness. Um, so I think we should just go right to the Word. Let's uh, open up our Bibles if you have them or your Bible app. We can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'm going to start just by reading verse 1 and 2, but um, I feel that before we start reading, we should just pray over the text this morning. God, we come before you today, Lord. We humbly come before you, God, to, to read your Word to us. Lord, every single person in this room, Lord, you have a message uh, that you are speaking to us today. So, God, I pray that today our, our ears will be open, our minds will be open, God, and that we will be able to see uh, the message that you want us to carry out with us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and in chapter 7, he starts off by saying, Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. So Paul is about to speak about singleness, and he's speaking to the Corinthian church at this time. And what we see is that the Corinthians were struggling with sexual immorality within their culture. And it was so bad that the Corinthians, it seems, have, had come out as a church to just say a blanket statement saying, it is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman, period. And their idea was, you know, immorality is so bad, you know, these people need to just be separated. And, uh, and Paul wants to refute that a little bit to the Corinthians this morning. Paul believes in marriage. Um, you can read, even though Paul's speaking about singleness today, you can read in other letters. Paul has a high value for marriage. Marriage is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's created by God. And when you read about the relationship that Jesus has with the church all through the Bible, that relationship symbolizes marriage. Marriage is used to symbolize that perfect relationship. And so in my message today, I don't want to be knocking uh, marriage at all because marriage is wonderful. It's great. But Paul... Um, 
wants to talk a little bit about singleness. If we go back down after verse 2 and we go to verse 8 and 9, Paul says, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So we see Paul's thoughts. Um, Paul has a high value for marriage, but he says if, if you can stay single, you should stay single. It's, uh, it's going to be easier for you. It's going to uh, have less stress. You're going to have more flexibility. And he really only says, look, the only time you really should be getting married is if you're burning with passion and you can't control yourself. So I guess here I am today. I can't control myself. I, uh, <laughs> I, I had to do it. I couldn't remain single. Um, I'm not as strong as some other people, I suppose. But um, we're, we're going to get into to Paul's words a little bit more uh, here in a second. But what we see is that, um, that Paul recognizes uh, the struggles that will come with marriage. And when he's speaking to the church, he's saying, look, I want to spare you some of these troubles. And I want you to focus on your relationship with the Lord, and I want you to focus on what God is calling you to do, and focus less on trying to find a spouse or, or trying to, to fill a hole or a void in your life with a human relationship rather than a relationship with God. So let's go and read chapter 7, verses 25 through 28. We see that Paul, he kind of goes off in his letter to the Corinthians and talks about uh, marriage and talks about um, divorce and things like that. And in verse 25, he says, now about the virgins, so people that weren't married. He says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Don't seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you haven't sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. So first of all, I, I respect Paul by the first thing he says is he says, this is not a commandment from the Lord. Paul, in, in his letters, sometimes when he is about to say something that is merely his opinion, he wants to make that clear. And so he says, look, I'm not saying God is commanding all of us to stay single. I'm not saying God's commanding all of us to get married. But he says, in my opinion, I view that people should uh, stay single if they can. Because he is looking out for us. He says, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. So we see that his, that his intentions are, are correct. He doesn't want uh, single people just to, to feel like, oh, well, now I've got to stay single. Thanks, Paul. But he's wanting to say, look, uh, there's a reason why. It's, it's, not, it's not just because I want to make your life difficult, but it's because you, you truly are going to have troubles in marriage. And, and I want to spare you of those things. So he wants us to be free from concern, and he wants us to focus on God. Being single also gives us a lot more flexibility in life and in ministry. When you're single, when God calls you to do something, you don't have a spouse that you're tied to or a family that you're tied to, and, uh, and you're able to, to more freely go and, and move somewhere if God calls you somewhere or, or change your, your job because you know, maybe your salary isn't as important as compared to when you when you're, have a spouse and you're bringing home the bread and things like that. So... Um, ministry and, and your life in general is a lot more flexible as a single person. I went to a, a, 
a small Christian college in Kirkland, Washington, Northwest University. And uh, Northwest University kind of had a saying that was ring by spring was their, was their motto. And so the idea would be young people would come into school, they would meet someone of the opposite gender, and uh, by springtime they would have a ring on. Pastor Darth, did you do ring by spring at all? No, no, okay, all right. I, <laughs> when, I, when I walked into school and I heard this, I thought, there's no way. And sure enough, I saw it happen. And I was like, uh, you know, as a young person, I don't know if I advise, you know, getting getting hitched that fast, but, you know, that's, uh, that's up to each person. So, but it was kind of a, a thing that loomed over the young men that would come into school. Is like, oh, man, am I going to have to be married by, like, the end of my freshman year? Like, this is crazy. And the school itself, I, when I was there, I believe it was men were outnumbered to women three to one or four to one. So there were, there were babes all over the place. And so you're, you're a young kid. You're coming in, and you're like, I'm supposed to marry one of these people. There's so many of them. What am I going to do? And uh, so I thought for sure when I started uh, school, you know, by the end of this thing, I'm going to be married. I'm gonna, they have married, you know, student housing. I'm going to be up in an apartment on campus somewhere. Um, but God had different plans. And uh, partway through my junior year, I really kind of started to get a little stressed about this. I started to think, you know, man, if I don't find a wife within this, you know, college experience, that, that might be it for me. I, I might be stuck, you know, because I knew that, you know, I wanted to be a, 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 a full-time minister, and I, I knew that I wanted to uh, go somewhere that God was going to call me full-time, and I thought, man, you know, life after graduation is going to get busy. It's going to get crazy, and, and I might not be able to, to find the person. So I really started to get stressed. But partway through my senior year, I, I had a, a, a change in my mindset. And I took that stress and I said, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to allow you to, to work everything out in your timing. I'm not going to stress about this. I'm going to worry about, uh, you know, I got to graduate here in about, you know, a few months. And, and I, was, I was wanting to be flexible in my ministry because I wasn't sure exactly where God was going to call me. You know, that was, I could have moved to Montana, Idaho, California. Um, I really had no idea what the future was going to look like. And so I decided to shift my mindset from looking for romance to my own personal growth in, in the Lord. I said, God, I'm just going to put it in your hands. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to allow my relationship with you to develop, and I'm going to, to go where you call me to do ministry. And I'm just going to leave my life open for your calling. And I think sometimes one of, one of, uh, one of the biggest mistakes a single person can make is, is finding romance being their number one thing that they're worried about. And I want to encourage you today, if you're single and, and you feel lost and you're stressed, I want you to know that I recognize that that is, that is real stress. That's something that can really be, uh, cause worry in some people. But I want you to know that things will be so much better if you shift your mindset from looking for romance to instead looking within yourself at your personal growth and looking to the Lord and having a personal relationship with Him. The more you invest in yourself and your relationship with the Lord, the better things will be. I'm not going to promise every single person in this room that there is going to be a spouse for you someday. I don't know if that's in God's plan. But what I do know is the more you invest in yourself and in your relationship with the Lord now, if a spouse does come along, you'll be much more successful in, in your marriage, you'll be much more successful in your life, and you'll be more at peace. I don't know if any of you have seen this image, but it's uh, called the God Marriage Triangle. Um, we have a, a scripture here, the God Marriage Triangle. I don't know if you've seen this. A lot of the times, uh, this image is used for, for couples that feel like they're distant from each other. 
And what the, the image does is it, it explains that as a husband moves up and closer to God in his own personal relationship with the Lord, and the wife also moves up and closer to God in her own personal relationship with the Lord, inadvertently they will become closer to each other. And you can't move closer to God without becoming closer to your spouse. And so the idea is instead of striving so much about trying to connect with your spouse, where is your relationship with the Lord? Do you need to strive to connect more with the Lord and in that have a more fruitful marriage? But if you're single today, you might think that this triangle doesn't have anything to do with you. But what I'm telling you is, let's say you're, you're a male in here, just take away that wife portion and you still have to worry about that relationship with God, right? And if one day that wife does come into the picture, you're already a lot closer up to God and you'll be a lot closer to your wife. So I just want you to know that investing in your relationship with the Lord now and taking your mind off of romance or trying to find a spouse, you're not going to regret any of that time investing in that relationship with God. It's never going to be a waste of time. It's always going to increase your life, uh, increase uh, your fruitfulness out of your life. One of the best ways to focus on personal growth in your relationship with the Lord is through Bible engagement. We have another slide here, um, if we can get it up there. That's hard to read. I thought that would be a lot easier to read. Um, but anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll describe it to you. So it's reflecting the fruit of the Spirit. And Barna Group did this poll, and I thought it was really interesting. And I felt like I had to fit it in this sermon somewhere because I just thought it was so cool. But uh, the blue are people that have low Bible engagement in their life. Bible engagement meaning they don't read their Bible often, and when they do read it, it's not very deep. They're not studying, they're not trying to figure out what the context is, what it means for their life, and they're not really allowing it to penetrate their relationship with the Lord. The red are people that have a higher uh, level of Bible engagement. So they're studying the Bible more, they're, they're reading the Word of God. If you think the Bible is just some, some dead book with a bunch of words in it, you're wrong. It's, it's a living, breathing Word of our God. And, and reading it and studying it and meditating on it will completely and radically transform your life. And we see that here. Um, I wish you guys could, could read it, but it says... Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things are what we call the fruits of the Spirit. And people that have a higher Bible engagement in their life show uh, that, the, that all the fruits of the Spirit, other than patience for some reason, I guess that just means that if you read your Bible, it really can't help your, your patience level uh, for some reason. If you're impatient, sorry, you're stuck that way. Um, but it shows things like love, joy, and peace, goodness, and kindness. All those things increase in your life when you engage with the Word of God. And so if you're, if you're here today and I'm telling you to stop looking at romance and to instead invest in your own personal relationship with the Lord, and you're wondering how, Bible engagement, reading the Word of God, will radically transform your life. Your life will be uh, much more loving You'll see much more joy, peace, not patience, I guess, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life if you read your Bible more and engage with your Bible. See, this is not a study of people in the blue that are single and people in the red that are married. It's not like you become married and all of a sudden your life is so much better. I want you to know that marriage is not a solution to your problems. God is the solution to your problems. 
Marriage is not going to fix everything in your life, but God and having a relationship with him will greatly increase your life. And I'm not saying marriage doesn't increase how great your life is, because I believe that marriage is amazing, but don't go looking for a human relationship to fix something that only God can fix. So people that engage with Scripture, they have a better theology of God. They understand how God works better, how, who God is more, and they have a better relationship with Him. Taryn and I went to a, a friend of ours we, we saw get married uh, a few weeks ago, and the, the bride was a missionary uh, to Ethiopia for quite a while, I, I believe a few years. And... Um, and the groom I was working, we were co-workers at a church that we were working with together, and, and he went to Ethiopia to help at that church there, and uh, they became friends there, and by the time they got stateside, they were engaged. And uh, so, so we got to see the wedding. It was a great, beautiful wedding. Don't worry, we, uh, we all wore our masks. Um, but we heard a story that really touched my heart when, when we were at this wedding, and it was about the bride, and, and the bride was was speaking about how when she felt called to be a full-time missionary, she, she knew she was called, she knew God was going to have her be a missionary, and, and there was something that was, that was um, kind of a, a step in her mind that she was struggling with, was she was saying, God, if you're going to call me to be a full-time missionary in my mid-20s, um, I'm worried that I'm going to miss that time where I might be able to find a spouse. Are you calling me to, to be single for the rest of my life? And that's a valid question. And, and she felt the Lord just so clearly respond to her. He said, even if I don't ever give you a spouse to have, your, to have with you for the rest of your life, am I still going to be enough for you? Is my calling still going to be enough for you? Are you going to be able to feel whole and complete in me? Because that's what you should be. No spouse is going to make you feel 100% whole or complete. Only your relationship with Jesus can do that. And so I think God is, is asking that question of us. If you're single in the room today or at home watching on our live stream, I just, I feel like God is speaking even if you never have that spouse in your life, am I still going to be enough for you? Is my call on your life still going to be enough for you? And if you're married today, I think God is asking, if something happened tomorrow that left you spouseless, would I still be enough for you? Would you still be able to fulfill the call I have on your life? Is, is your relationship with me strong enough that no matter what happens, I'm still going to be enough for you? Because God has created us to have everything we need in him. He didn't create us single and lacking until we get married. He created us whole and complete in a relationship with him. See, we need to stop thinking about singleness as something that is lacking. Marriage is, is simply just adding. Marriage is adding and, and creating a team and being one with someone. And it's beautiful and it's great. But that doesn't mean that it makes you whole. I remember I, I, I said earlier about how I, I shifted my mindset from, from looking for romance and being worried about trying to find a wife before graduating college to saying, God, I'm just going to focus on, on whatever you are going to call me to do. Um, I'm going to allow everything to work out in your time. 
And that's what happened. I, I graduated college. I started working at a church, and um, the position that I, that I was in was very time-consuming, and um, it's okay because I was flexible. I was single. I was able to, to put in, you know, a ton of hours and have less days off. I didn't have as many uh, responsibilities being a single person. And so the Lord really used me in my ministry there, and I continued to grow in personal relationship with God. And uh, I was working, I'd been working at this church for a few months, and I had, it may seem like a little thing, but it was a really big deal in my mind. I had a problem with my, with my office telephone. And the problem was, was that it said, you know, if, if you look at an office telephone that has like a little screen on it, and it says whose phone it is, and it said the name of the previous person that had worked at my desk. And that really irked me. I thought, man, I work here. This is my desk. I want my phone to say my name. And so uh, it was a really big deal for me. I look back on it and think, you know, I was ridiculous. But um, I decided to do everything I could to try and figure out how to change the name. I went to the office administrator that worked at the church. I said, how do we do this? She said, I I have no idea. And so I started uh, looking up manuals and, and trying to figure out how to get in there and change my name. And I was frustrated. I couldn't figure it out. So I, I did what any millennial would do, and I took a break by checking my social media. And uh, I sat back and said, I'm just going to take a break from this phone thing. I'm just going to open my phone. And, and I went on an app called Instagram. If you don't know what Instagram is, uh, it's just, it's kind of like Facebook. It's a little bit different, but people will post things to their story, and, and it'll stay on there for a day, and you can kind of see what your friends are doing throughout the day. So I sit back, I get on Instagram, and there was this girl that had posted on Instagram. And what was funny about this relationship that I had with this girl is that there really was no relationship. What, what happened is we had met at a graduation party a week before we both graduated. And, and we had met, we followed each other on social media, and went our own ways, and it had been a couple months, and I had never talked to her. But what I see is that she posted a picture because she was starting her new job. And so she showed the picture of her desk, and man, oh man, she had the best-looking office telephone I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and if, if you know me, you know, maybe, if you know me, you may still not know this, because this is a secret that's deep, deep, deep down within me. I love office equipment. Ever since I was a kid, my favorite place to go was Office Depot. If my mom took me to Office Depot, I was trying to find the best, biggest executive desk chair with the biggest, you know, I just wanted to rule the world, I guess, as a little kid. But um, So office telephones, man, that was a good-looking office telephone. And so I, I was having a difficult time with my phone, and it just happened to be that this girl that I had met right before graduating college uh, she had posted about her office telephone. And so I had said something. I thought I was being really smart, saying, oh, I wish I could get my office telephone to work. And she responded by saying, uh, yeah, I wish, I wish my telephone would stop working because I'm tired of it ringing all the time. And we started to talk back and forth. And eventually uh, she said, you know, we've been talking for a couple days. It might be easier if I just give you my phone number. And at that moment, I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. I had no idea that what this could lead to. And she just gave me her phone number. This is it. This is the time. And, and that woman was Taryn. And that's, that's exactly how our relationship started, over, a, over an office telephone. We started to talk. And, and uh, I was so worried in college about not finding my wife. And then when I shifted my mindset... It's funny to me that I met my wife a week before we graduated. I still technically met her while we were going to school and before we graduated, but God worked everything out in his own time. And so 
I never regretted taking that time to, to change my mindset from looking for romance to instead looking at my relationship with God because God was working through everything the entire time. And the Lord used my time of singleness to be flexible to his ministry. And I remember as our relationship started to develop more and more and I started to, to wonder if, if this was a possible uh, person that I could have as a spouse, I remember asking God, I said, God, it really wasn't that long ago that I shifted my mindset from trying to find a spouse to focusing on you. Is this what you want for me? Or is this going to be a distraction? And over time, I felt just a natural confirmation in my life that adding Taryn to my life as a team would allow me to go so much further in ministry than, than God had planned for me to be as a single person. But that's, that's my story. God is still using single people. You might be single your whole life, and God is going to use you to go to the ends of the earth and do things that you can't do if you're committed in a relationship with a spouse. But in my life, I just naturally just felt this, this is the person, when I knew that adding Taryn to my team would benefit our ministry together and benefit the kingdom of God. So if you focus on your individual relationship with Christ, it will always be worth it. God is going to work out everything in his own time, but he just wants us to be flexible and allow uh, him to work in our lives. At the end of kind of what Paul is, is writing to the Corinthians about singleness, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 through 35, Paul says this. He says, I would like you to be free from concern, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good not to restrict you, but that you may live a life in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. So what we see is that Paul, he's not being legalistic. Paul isn't saying, hey, you guys should all divorce your, your spouses and just remain single. This is a commandment from the Lord. He says, this is my opinion. I'm not trying to be legalistic. But he says, it comes down to, are you living in undivided devotion to the Lord? If you're in a relationship today and your relationship is, is causing an unhealthy relationship with the Lord, if it's causing you to be divided in devotion, maybe you ought to pray to God, ask what he wants you to do in this situation. Because I've, I firmly believe that Paul, above everything he says about singleness, the most important thing is there at the end when he says, I want you to be living in undivided devotion to the Lord. Are you living in undivided devotion to the Lord? Regardless of your marital status, what your relationships look like, is God most important? I think it all really comes down to the question that God asks us, am I enough for you? Whether you're single, and he says, look, if I'm never going to give you a spouse, am I still going to be enough for you? Or you're married, and he says, look, if, if the craziest thing happened tomorrow and you were spouseless, Am I still going to be enough for you? Is your relationship with me strong enough to live in undivided devotion to me no matter what? 
See, our relationship with the Lord is interesting. It comes and, and goes sometimes. What, if you've been in the church a long time, you've probably heard the, the, the phrase, you know, your, your peaks and your valleys with your relationship with God. Sometimes it's, it's great, and sometimes, man, we just feel like we're in a huge, huge valley. Maybe you feel like you're in a valley today. Maybe you feel like you're on a peak today. Maybe you've just, things have been growing great. I just want to remind you, no matter where you're at, we always need to live in undivided devotion to the Lord. We need to read our Bibles. We need to read the Word of God. We need to digest it in our minds. We Not just read it and, and go about our day, but to, to really take time to, to see what is the Lord trying to tell me through the text. God is always speaking with us. Sometimes it really doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it feels like he's absent. But God is always constantly speaking to every single one of us. He's trying to captivate our, our minds and our hearts towards him. So today, maybe we, you just need to realign with God for a moment. You just need to take this moment and realign with him and say, Lord, I need to live in undivided devotion to you. Remember, marriage is a beautiful thing. Everything that Paul says, he still, Paul still believes, you know, marriage is not a sin. It's a great, beautiful thing. It's, it's a symbol of, of the way that Christ loves the church. God created marriage. But don't allow it to divide your devotion to the Lord. So before we end today, I just, I want to pose that question, is God enough for you? Do you need to take this time? And I, I want us to pray. And, and maybe you're thinking, God, I just, I, I need to realign with you. And I need you to know that you're enough for me. Let's pray. And if, if you're that person that really is struggling right now in that devotion to the Lord, if you're comfortable, you can raise a hand. If you're at home watching, you can raise a hand. But I just want us to pray for our single people in the world, God, that, that, are struggling with loneliness, that they know that God is enough for them. And for people that are, are, are single with kids, man, that's such a difficult thing. But I need, we need to pray that those people know that God is enough for them, that having a relationship with the Lord is enough for them. And if you're married today, just knowing that, kind of like how that triangle was, the more you develop in your relationship to God, the closer you'll become with your spouse. And ultimately, what moves you up in that triangle, what gets you closer to the Lord is knowing that He is enough for you. So let's pray today. If you're praying for yourself or, or you're just praying for our community and our world, we need a world that knows that God is enough. We need a world that has undivided devotion to the Lord. So let's pray for it today. God, we come before you God, and we give you thanks. God, we give you thanks that those of us that are married, that we have a wonderful spouse. God, we give you thanks that those that are single, God, are, are flexible and committed to your mission. God, we just give you thanks for everything that you give us, Lord. No matter our marital status, Lord, you give us everything. You have given us everything we need to be whole and complete in you. God, I pray for our families today, Lord. As we go through this family series, we, we really want to, to, to connect with each uh, aspect of, of the family dynamic and God's single people 
have a gift, God, and it is so important to your mission. God, so we pray that we will see you as enough, that we will have undivided devotion to you, God, and in return, Lord, you will show us the blessings that you have just waiting for us when we devote ourselves to you and when we dive into your word that you've given to us, Lord. So God, I thank you for all these people. God, we pray for our our world today. God, the world needs more of you every single day. So God, allow us to be your hands and feet to give the world more of you every single day. To be your hands and feet, to be your, 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 your ministers to people that are hurting. So God, we thank you, Lord. We give all thanks to you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.